0: Hello and welcome to The Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Do keep in mind that we have other resources and information available at our website. If you wish to hear other English audio messages, they are available for free at our website and also as podcast for iTunes. Just look for us in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. There are times that we may look at certain things and wonder, what happened? And the truth that we are taught through the Word of God is that sin impacts everything negatively. What is important to understand is that evil is generated through our actions as a result of sinful thoughts and ideas. Our thoughts, which are ultimately a product of what is in our heart, is what determines how decisions are made. And so, we need to be very careful what we allow ourselves to be influenced by, because that is what will ultimately dictate the decisions we make, which in turn, yields actions, and then consequences to those actions. Consequences here and in eternity. Please stay with us for the next few minutes as we look into what God has to say about all of this. Let us go to the Lord in prayer together lord god heavenly father blessing and honor and glory be to you lord i give you thanks for your son jesus christ for the salvation and forgiveness that we find through him heavenly father i pray O oh lord that you please always remember us in your mercy and in your grace i pray O oh lord that you please forgive me for my sins because they're still there lord god heavenly father i give you thanks O oh lord for your love and your grace I pray in the name of Jesus now, Lord God, that you please may guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that you may help us to have soft hearts, Lord God, that you may help us to understand that we need to be careful with what's inside of us and what dictates our actions, O Lord. Speak to our hearts, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 15. And this is the word of the Lord. The burden against Moab. Because in the night are of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. Because in the night occur of Moab is laid waste and destroyed. He has gone up to the temple and Dibbon to the high places to weep. Moab will wail over Nebo and over Mediba. On all their heads will be baldness and every beard cut off in their streets. They will clothe themselves with sackcloth and the tops of their houses. And in their streets, everyone will wail, weeping bitterly. Hezban and Elilah will cry out. Their voice shall be heard as far as Jahaz. Therefore the armed soldiers of Moab will cry out. His life will be burdensome to him. My heart will cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee to Zoar like a three-year-old heifer, For by the ascent of Leweth, they will go up with weeping. For in the way of Horonim, they will raise up a cry of destruction. For the waters of Nimrim will be desolate. For the green grass has withered away. The grass fails. There is nothing green. Therefore the abundance they have gained, and what they have laid up, they will carry away to the brook of willows. For the cry has gone all around the borders of Moab, its wailing to Egliam, and its wailing to Birelim. For the waters of Dimon will be full of blood, because I will bring more upon Dimon, lions upon him who escapes from Moab, and on the remnant of the land. Who was this Moab? The nation of Moab started as a person, and I have to say that Moab came into the picture in quite a sinful way. The Bible does give us exact information about Moab and his birth. If we start by looking at Genesis chapter 19, where we're told what happened to Lot and his daughters after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, we read the following. Then Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him. For he was afraid to dwell in Zoar, and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus, both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon to this day. Bizarre is not an accurate statement, but it starts to give an idea. Sinful, of course, is more exact. Moab is Lot's incestual grandson, the product of his mother, Lot's daughter, getting her father drunk and sleeping with him. We will get more into this a bit later. But for right now and historically speaking, what was the Moabites contribution, if you will? The Moabites were usually in conflict with the people of Israel. That is what we can gather through various scripture passages. The only time in biblical history they did something right, and not really intentionally, was when they gave David asylum against King Saul, but for a very short time. We read of this event in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1-5, to where it says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adalim. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about four hundred men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. In summary, Moab was more of a problem than anything. They were sinful people, always causing problems, especially for the people of God. They were pagan like most of the people around Israel. So what can we glean from all of this? We should consider his beginning in order to glean what is necessary. How did Moab start? Moab is the product of things that happened much sooner than he was born. When Lot chose to dwell in a land that was corrupt, in order for Lot to make that wrong choice, something was probably not right within Lot himself. So there were issues even before then. The condition of our heart is what usually leads to wrong and regrettable decisions, which can later become huge problems, not just for us, but for everyone around us. That's one of the things we always need to keep in mind, that our wrong decisions affect us and will more than likely affect others all around us. Things do not happen in a vacuum. Genesis chapter 13 tells us where Lot decided to live around Sodom and Gomorrah, where it tells us this, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the parasites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go towards Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And so Lot chose to go live there because it looked appealing. It looked attractive. Sin has a tendency to look appealing and attractive. That's the trap. That's how it starts. Everything looks fine and great at first. Things almost look perfect, but they certainly look alluring and enticing to our sinful side. But that small little wrinkle at the end of the passage is what should have helped Lot make a better decision. That the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Despite the fact that Lot's men and Abraham's men were having issues among them, if Lot would have been more wiser or more importantly fearful of the Lord, He would have either worked something out with Abraham to calm things down or would have chosen something different, something better. But as mentioned before, usually when something is not quite right within our hearts, wrong decisions are made. And those decisions are made because God is not leading the way. That whole thing that some people say that your decisions make you who you are is true. And there should be remorse, regret and repentance when wrong decisions are made, even if you have not quite seen its full effects yet. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with making U-turns per se, turning away from those wrong decisions before you experience their consequences. But many believers make the mistake thinking that God uses your bad decisions for good. The only good that can come out of bad decisions is repentance and conversion. But if there is no repentance and conversion, make no mistake, there will be consequences. And the truth is that consequences could still happen even if you repent and convert. There may be forgiveness from God's side, but that does not mean that the physical consequences of our actions will go away. I'll give you a few examples. How about two people that engage in sex before marriage and the woman gets pregnant? If they both repent from their sin, does that make the baby go away? No. And of course, if both or the woman on her own makes a decision to have an abortion, that just makes a bad decision even worse by adding even greater evil. Another one would be, let's say, someone robs a bank and they get caught. The thief could repent and God will certainly forgive him or her. But that doesn't mean that the laws that were instituted by society will be forgotten. They might still go to jail and need to live out their sentence as a result of that action. And what about adultery? God can forgive if there is true repentance and conversion, but that does not mean that the marriage will be the same ever again. The bond is broken. Trust is lost due to betrayal. All of our wrong decisions have consequences because one thing leads to another and to another and especially if there is no repentance. Make no mistake, sin will take its course, especially if we don't involve the Lord through repentance and conversion to Him. Many people think that if they don't see something bad happen right away, that they got away with it or that, It is not really that bad. But the truth is that sin always has consequences. It will always leave marks. And what's worse, sin may have consequences that will only be experienced or revealed when standing before God in judgment. That should be the scariest consequence because at that point, there are no do-overs. There is no turning back. There is no second chance. What's done is done. And if we continue seeing Lot's life, we can assume that his wife could have been someone from that region, because it is not mentioned before that Lot had a wife. And as we read, the area he chose to live in was exceedingly wicked. Lot must have gotten involved with the wrong sort of person. So one major bad decision led him to another major bad decision. James chapter 4, verse 4 has this to say about relationships. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So we need to be very careful with our close relationships. We cannot take on the world's traits and customs. If our desire is to be like the world and with the world, then that's what God will allow to happen. He will give you what you want, but there will be consequences and they are natural consequences the world only leads people to one place and that is far away from god and everything that is good and so it is only natural that evil and destruction will follow sooner or later second corinthians chapter 6 gives us even more advice as followers of jesus christ regarding relationships where it says this, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty. And so this business of being unequally yoked or attached to or dependent on someone does not only involve marriage. It can be other relationships like a business partner, a friend, anyone that implies any level of intimacy. And sexual intimacy is not the only intimacy that exists. There is financial intimacy. There is legal intimacy. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then it is not a good idea to have intimacy with someone that is not a follower of Jesus Christ. Now let's come back to Lot yet again. So Lot chose to live with very wicked and sinful people. He seemed to have married a wicked and sinful woman also because it appears that she was from there. He had his daughters raised by this sinful woman and he had them exposed to this sinful and wicked group of people on a daily basis. And these folks were so corrupt that God literally went out of his way to have them consumed. Is it then any surprise that Lot's daughters did what they did? Not at all. And so what is left for Moab after being a product of pure evil and raised by an evil woman? Nothing good can come after that, guaranteed. And what's worse is that there appears to have never been any kind of repentance from Moab or the people that followed him. Only rebellion and wickedness causing more pain and heartache to Israel than anything. See how that all works? And it all stemmed as a product of Lot's heart and where it was when he made his decisions. That is why we need to be careful with the intentions of our heart, which is what ultimately dictates our actions, our decisions. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. If your heart is in the wrong place, every action will be a product of that. Knowingly or unconsciously, you will make wrong and evil decisions. It's only natural. And together with those wrong and evil decisions, there will be consequences either now or worse in eternity. If we look at Lot's life in the pages of the Bible, there was one bad decision after the other. There is no triumphant moment in Lot's life. There is no glorious end to Lot's life. He just disappears. The only remnants left of Lot's life is this Moab and Amon who had the exact same problems, As Moab. That's Lot's legacy. Two people and later on two nations that turn out to be evil before the Lord. Do you think that is what God wanted for Lot? Absolutely not. Lot did all of that all by himself. Does God want that for anyone? Absolutely not. God loves the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the person that was and is most precious to him, a part of himself so that we could have eternal life. I'm sure most of you have heard this many times. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So it's impossible to think that God wants to punish and send people to hell. That's not his desire. But if people reject him, And they reject the very means of getting to that eternal life through Jesus Christ. And of course, they make decisions based on their sinfulness. Then what is God supposed to do? Should he force people to believe in him and to follow his ways and in the life that can only be found through Jesus Christ? He can, but he won't, because that would violate the one right that every human being has, the right to choose. But with that freedom comes responsibilities and consequences, depending on how you choose to use your freedom, your free will. And coming back to the main point in all of this is that what generates decisions and ultimately actions in every person is their heart. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is a verse that many so-called believers use as an excuse Or to justify their wrong decisions where it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. It is true that God uses everything for our good, but there is a detail in the phrase, in the verse, where it says, Those who love God. If there is no love for God, not even a regard for his principles, for what his word says, Will all things work together for good then? I would have to say no. Rebellion does not qualify as love. Disregarding God's word and dismissing his guidance does not show love either. Can we as Christians make mistakes? You bet. And all of the time. But our heart needs to be in the right place. And what puts our heart in the right place is striving to put God first, making Him the priority, looking to do His will, looking for His guidance. Mistakes can and will happen, but there is a difference between doing wrong things out of weakness and being repentant and doing things out of disobedience with rebellion in the heart. Here is the number one thing that will help always each one of us to learn what we need to learn and to do what God wants us to do. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fearing the Lord means that you have a deep and meaningful respect for Him. It's right there with honoring Him. It means that you keep Him on the forefront of your life, of your heart. It means that you strive to have Him present in everything. You don't just go do what you want to do, and what you think is right. You ask him. You are genuinely concerned about his opinion on all things. You ask yourself, what does God think about this decision I'm about to make? Is this right? And here is where everything comes together. We are in the world, but we should not belong to the world, and we certainly should not desire to be like the world or be influenced by the world our main influence, our guide, our source for all things needs to be Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is truly the Lord of our lives, when we center our lives on him rather than trying to make God revolve around us, as absurd as that sounds, that is when we will pay less attention to the world and make better decisions that will impact the present, but more importantly, in the long run. Otherwise, If we allow ourselves to be influenced by the world, then we will make bad and evil decisions and everything that stems out of those bad and evil decisions will begin to emerge over time as consequences of those actions. But if we don't want to wind up like Lot and ultimately yield Moab's, then we need to make Jesus the effective and literal Lord of our lives. There are many truths that Jesus said that impacts our lives, and this is one of them. In John chapter 10, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus is life. But in order to have that life in us and have it abundantly, then we need for Jesus to be our Lord, which means that we need to love him, fear him, and ultimately follow him. Otherwise, we're just following the thief, the world, and all that master does is steal, kill, and destroy. Those are the consequences of following and they being influenced by that master, by the devil. And so... If you want to start making good and life-producing decisions, repent and convert. Leave the world behind and make the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. Everything that is written in the Bible is for our good. Within its pages, we can learn what happened or what will happen to people depending on what they ultimately choose to do. We are all free to choose, but we need to be careful with what influences that ability to choose. Thoughts, ideas, feelings, everything that is internal, deep within us, is what ultimately generates action, and every single person will be judged by their actions. And this is the truth we must all bear in mind, especially if we want to learn how to be justified before a holy and righteous God that sees everything and who will dictate our eternal existence. Ecclesiastes gives us this very great advice, where it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every good work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. If we live our lives keeping the Lord at the forefront of every single decision, we will have nothing to worry about in the end. If we love the Lord, all things, even those stupid moments that we all have, will be used for His honor and glory. And there will be a good product left behind at the end and for eternity. But the opposite is also true. That if God is not a priority in your life, and you don't look to fear Him and love Him, then your life will become a life filled with wrong and evil. No matter if things look okay for now, and everything that is produced will be destroyed and there will nothing be left in eternity for you except an inevitable judgment that will send you to a place no one wants to go to. This is what the Lord says to all of us. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that you both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that we need to be careful of on what we are influenced by. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that what this world actually is, and that ultimately this world is a is turned into a product of sin. It's not the way you made it, but because sin entered the world and sin is everywhere. All around us, Lord God, including within us. Heavenly Father, help us, O oh Lord, to be influenced and led by you. Help us to look to you, Lord God, for our guidance. Help us to understand, O oh Lord, that if we don't follow you, if we don't, if we don't put your, your principles and action in our lives, that nothing good will happen. And Lord, worst of all is that even though things may seem all nice and great and fine, meanwhile here... If we live a life of disobedience, if we live a life where we are not guided by you, we will find a great and horrible surprise when we stand before your throne. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us to always keep the end in mind. That Lord, that all of this that we see here today will all go away. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that you may help us to always have you in the forefront of our thoughts, of our intentions, deep within our hearts, Lord God. So that anything and everything that we do may honor and glorify you and that you may also bless us, O Lord God. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.